it's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Alani Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with you at our regular time for a change, 2.30 football game this afternoon. We'll talk more about that as we move along. Mr. Tate is here. How you doing there, Coach? Very good. Last time I saw you was about 11 o'clock last night. <laughs> Saying goodnight from the State Farm Center, Illinois basketball with an exhibition win over Lewis University. We'll talk about that as we move along as well. The phone line is open, 356-9397. Heading into the uh, month of November where football and basketball overlap quite a bit. It's kind of fun, kind of challenging schedule-wise. But uh, an 83-50 to win for Illinois last night after coming out of the gate, scoring the first basket and then Falling behind 14-2. to two. Took them a little while to get going, but uh, they took care of things in the second half. Your overall thoughts? Kofi Coburn's kind of debut. I guess Tuesday will be his real debut, but uh, a double-double, 16 points, 11 rebounds. Well, I think Kofi was better than anybody anticipated. He ran the court better than we might have expected. He was able to shoot 15-foot jumpers with more accuracy than we might have expected. And, uh, you know, I thought uh, his rebounding, oh, double-double the first time out, Steve. You'd take that every time, wouldn't you? Even if he was playing against you and me. <laughs> well, he will be playing against a lot bigger player when the Big Ten players when the Big Ten rolls around. There's no doubt about that. And that, it'll be a lot tougher. But the thing that we didn't, we, we don't know, this is going to be a good offensive team. This team's going to score points because you got the three guards that can certainly score and then you got uh, Kofi and and uh, Georgie in the in the middle. Uh, the question, you know, is defense whether they can tighten the defense on the perimeter without allowing so many back doors as we saw last year, without allowing so many ba- uh, free baskets. The opponents shot forty six percent against Illinois last year. That's too good a percentage for Illinois to give up. If you were at the basketball game last night, what did you think? Give us a call three five one. 356-9397, Of course, there's football to talk about. Kind of a strange Big Ten schedule today with just four games. Six Big Ten teams have the uh, open week, and they're off. But uh, the matchups today are Michigan at Maryland, Nebraska at Purdue. Those are the two early games. Rutgers at Illinois and Northwestern at Indiana. Those are the uh, two uh, later games that uh, Northwestern Indiana game is the night game, primetime. I wonder how often that started. That, that's <laughs> I don't know. Not very often for those two. The Illinois game uh, gets underway at 2.30. Illinois, somewhere around a 20-point favorite. It's fluctuated from 21 to, to 19, but a three-touchdown favorite over a Rutgers team that is working with an interim coach. Did get a win last week, a uh, non-league win over uh, Liberty University. So they're trying to bounce back, but they have a hard time they have a hard time stopping what Illinois does best, and that's run the football. Yeah, I think Illinois should be able to run the football. And it's a team in trouble when you have your starting quarterback, who, by the way, wasn't the starter out of summer, but was a starter after the 
regular quarterback got hurt in the first game. Sitkowski uh, started three games and then decided that he wasn't going to play anymore when Ash got fired, the head coach. And so he's uh, redshirting, using that four-game redshirt opportunity to not play. And then at the same time, Raheem Blackshear, who has 29 pass receptions, he's a running back. That's over seven per game of the four games he played. He's decided to redshirt. In other words, they've quit the team. Right. They're probably going to transfer. And uh, that just doesn't speak well for your football program. That uh, Rutgers program going in, uh, going south, and hopefully uh, Illinois is going north, trying to make it uh, three straight uh, Big Ten wins and to get one game closer to uh, bowl eligibility. The Big Ten has ten bowl commitments, and they're not going to get that. And I mean, they still could. There are three teams that need two wins. Illinois is one of them, Nebraska's one, and so is Michigan State. Nebraska's got problems, and Nebraska needs to win today, don't they? Yeah, they really do. They play at Purdue, and they're about a three-point favorite. Purdue in that will program. have a drier field today. <laughs> yeah, they will. So the football and basketball going on. The big news yesterday before the basketball exhibition was the uh, commitment of Andre Curbelo out of New York, point guard, and uh, a lot of people uh, think he's uh, a really good one to get. I've watched some of the video, as have you. He's, 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 he's really good. There's he, no question. He's a good passer. It's interesting we'll be trading a, a guard, a Feliz, from the Dominican Republic for a guard from the Puerto Rico. Right. <laughs> this is what Illinois has come to. They used to be all Chicago players. Well, he's a facilitator, no doubt. He's, uh, he's really good at getting yeah, the ball he, to, uh, to others. He really is, and, and he, he scores as well. And he's a top ten point guard in the country out of this class for sure. And we'll see how that may or may not affect what uh, Adam Miller decides to do. If I'm Adam Miller, I'm thinking, you know, there's something going on there. Yeah, my my inside people, you know, uh, Brad Sturdy and others are just saying that Miller's coming to Illinois. I mean, they think Miller's, you know, we knew Corbello committed when he was here on campus because there was a big celebration over at the I Hotel with him and his parents when with the, with the coaches who were basically celebrating the the fact that he was coming. So we knew this a, a week or so ago, and and now he's he's in, in the fold. And then we've got a signing day coming up not too far, Steve, and, and uh, I think it runs for about a week. And hope that Miller will, will commit at that time uh, or sign at that time, but I certainly don't know what he's going to do. I, I mean, I, I don't have any definite thing, but I, it just everybody tells me that Miller's coming to Illinois. I don't know what the secondary school is. I think it's Arizona State. I think it is, yeah. And uh, Corbello's uh, choice was between Illinois and Miami, and he canceled a trip to Oregon. That's when things started looking good for him. You mentioned Brad Sturdy. Brad is one of our guests. As a matter of fact, he'll be our leadoff guest coming up in about uh, seven or eight minutes from orangeandblue.com. He was at the uh, ball game last night. And uh, we'll talk about the ball game and recruiting as well. One other basketball note before we hear some comments from – Brad Underwood. How about the start of Kendrick Nunn in the NBA? You been following that? Oh, yeah. 112 yeah. points in five yeah. games. Yeah, he started out with 24 the first night, then 18, then 25, then 28. I mean, he's just, he's rolling. He's averaging 22.4 points a ball game through his first uh, five NBA games as a rookie. So he's with Miami. So is Myers Leonard. So is Jimmy Butler. I f- I guess I'd forgotten where Jimmy Butler ended up till I saw some highlights. Yeah, you got to pay attention, Steve. There's a lot of changes in the NBA this I'll year. I'll tell you what, I, I don't pay much attention to the NBA, but uh, when you got some guys you know and that uh, you, you ever cover. You see, any, see anybody like Golden State just fall apart, though? Yeah. I mean, 
Now Stephen Curry's out. Yeah, he's out for Thompson's a out. couple of months. I mean, of course, <laughs> this, this is just amazing what's happened to them. They're, I don't think they're even going to be able to contend this year. Again, we have the phone lines open. 356-9397 is the number. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're here till 11. Our game day football coverage begins at 1 o'clock and runs on through the uh, 2.30 kick and through the postgame show as well. Last night, basketball exhibition, the first time for Illini fans to see Brad Underwood's third team, even though it doesn't count, and the stats don't count, but nevertheless, it was an 83-50 to 50 win. Here's Coach Underwood after the game on the game. You know, I thought the first 10 or 12 possessions, uh, we tried to hit a grand slam on every play. Uh, we, we just, uh, we either tried to make, hit a three after one pass or two passes or throw the ball inside to Kofi when it wasn't there. And uh, our ball movement, our flow wasn't very good. We were, we were just out of sorts and in a hurry. Um, I felt pretty good about our defensive, our defensive effort and execution. Uh, I liked our ball movement the second half. Very, very disappointed in our turnovers. Uh, we can't turn the ball over. And again, I thought uh, Trent got us going offensively. And I thought Andres Felice was unbelievable at both ends of the court again. Uh, we made a little adjustment at half with him defensively on their point guard. And, and he's a pit bull and just, and just took, uh, took their point guard out of it. Brad Underwood, after the game last night, he, he also mentioned that he doesn't like it when he looks to his right and sees Felice sitting on the bench. He likes, <laughs> that's right. he likes him in the game. Well, that's right. And, and, you know, last year he only started four games all year, Felice. But you, I don't know how many games he was in at the end, oh, Steve, yeah. but, but it was most of them, wasn't it? Sure was. Trent Frazier had a good night. He made uh, three three-pointers on the night uh, as Illinois got off to a little bit of a slow start, as the coach mentioned. And Kofi Coburn, certainly one of the uh, – Talking points, one of the stars, 16 points, 11 rebounds. Here's uh, Trent Frazier talking about the freshman big man. I mean, he's a monster down there. <laughs> it's incredible, man. I mean, uh, the guy is unbelievable. Um, he's been great for us all preseason, um, you know. Um, you know, props to Georgie and J Jermaine, you know, just battling him all preseason, you know, from the, from the beginning when he walked into the campus, you know. Um, it's crazy to say he's got three times better than what he, he, when he came here. But the physicality for him, I mean, I don't think anyone would be able to stop him this year. Just his presence down low in the post, you know. Our, our goal right now is just for the, our guards, you know, just give him the, getting him the ball. Because um, when he's in there, he can score the ball anytime he wants. And he's, he's tremendously re rebounder. So, you know, he's going to be great for us. You know, three times better, Steve, than when he arrived. And I'll tell you what, he's ten times better than what I saw on yeah in the, pre, in the high school games where he just stood in the middle and – you know, they played a zone, and he didn't move. It didn't look like he could move. Now, of course, he can move. I mean, it's astonishing to watch him in practice how fast he runs in the, in the drills where they just, you know, run from one end to the other. He can, he can keep up with anybody, and uh, his touch is uh, much further out than I think we thought. 290 pounds, and he gets it moving pretty quickly, and uh, there's some interesting stats, not uh, well, research, I guess you would say, Adam Fletcher, the strength and conditioning coach, he's got all these kind of different numbers of, of different things with different players. By the way, Adam Fletcher is going to be our guest Monday at the Esquire on Monday Night Sports Talk, the strength and conditioning coach for the Illinois basketball team. But uh, to see him moving and at 290 pounds, there's no uh, – he's not uh, – 
Robert Tractor Trailer out there. He's got, I mean, he's chiseled. He really is chiseled, and he really has got more. Sp- he, you know what? They're, they're always going to try to uh, force him to switch on to another player uh, on those ball screens. And he's able to do that. He can get down in a defensive stance and guard. And we haven't had a big center. I shouldn't say any, but most of our centers in recent years have been bigger and slower, big and slower. And they don't have the ability once, once that switches. Man, now, we'll go back to Egwu. He was really good at it. Egwu was outstanding defensively and, and against the switch. I'm not saying he, this, uh, that Kopi's as good as Egwu was, but he's, uh, he's better than most of the others. And Egwu could run the court, too. And I think Kofi uh, will prove to be better than Egwu in his all-around game before All-around game, and, and I think he gives you a lot more be- uh, protection around the rim yeah. than, than Georgie did last year. Georgie played center last year, and this isn't going to necessarily help Georgie's offensive game, although he, uh, Georgie had four blocks last night coming from the power forward position, basically. But I, I just think that uh, – Overall, when you have two guys like this, the, the defensive rebounding should be stronger. Now, will the defense be stronger? That's the question. We, we, haven't, we haven't seen them go against good, big, strong opponents, and we aren't going to see much of that in, in November. The schedule is, other than next weekend when they play Grand Canyon Friday and then uh, Arizona on Sunday, other than those two games, the November schedule is much weaker than it was a year ago, yep. much weaker. We are off and rolling on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, moving up on 914. Join us if you like, 356-9397. We'll take a time out and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Now at NewsGazette.com, Inside Illini Basketball, our weekly podcast with beat writer Scott Ritchie, who's found Illinois' fifth starter, DeMonte Williams. Welcome back, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open. Three five six nine three nine seven. Talk some more Illinois basketball now. Brad Sturdy from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. Long time no see, no talk to, Brad. Good to see you last night, though. Yeah, I, yeah it, was a, it was a good good game. Obviously, pretty good day for Illinois yesterday. It was. Let's start with the game, then we'll move backwards into uh, what happened earlier in the day. But uh, it was an exhibition game. Nothing counts, but it was a good opportunity for the fans to see this team for the first time. And Illinois put it on them in the second half after kind of a, a slow start. After you've had a little time to think about it, give me some of your thoughts. Well, I mean, I th- think their front court obviously was was dominant. You know, uh, Kofi and Georgie and uh, and and off the bench. You know, at the end, uh, Benjamin uh, Bossman Zerdank. Uh, those guys were uh, were really good. And I, and I think that you see that they're kind of they can be more of an inside out team now. Um, and, and that's going to be a transition for them. Um, at, early on, I thought they settled for threes, and, and then you saw them, um, you know, start using the interior more, and then you know, going inside out, and, and it really opened up the perimeter in the second half, late first half, early second half, whether it be for drives, also for uh, the the open threes. Um, defensively, I thought you saw some differences from Illinois. Um, they used some zone, obviously. Um, and then also they didn't always come out. They, they depending on where the ball was on the floor, depending on who was using a ball screen, they didn't come out and you know trap it. They switched more. Um, they used some you know went and and they actually you know just hedged some ball screens. They didn't didn't play them the same way they played them in the past. And I think some of that's because of the size. Um, they don't want Kofi out defending the you know thirty forty feet from the basket. And and I think with Georgie too, they they don't want him quite as 
as high as he was a year ago. And so you saw some adjustments defensively. It was very vanilla, but um, it was uh, that you can see they're they're trying to do some different things. Now the pressure is still going to be there. You saw guys like Feliz and uh, Frazier and, and Desumu and Williams who were just you know putting all kinds of defensive you know all kinds of pressure on the um, on Lewis. But at the same time, they they didn't have the big bigs quite as far out quite as high out on the floor. And I think that was a, a good adjustment. And I think something you're going to probably see more of. Did you like that starting lineup with the two bigs and the three guards? Well, I mean, I think those are their five five players that are going to be on the floor. Uh, right. However, I, I don't know that that's going to continue to be the starting lineup because um, I, I feel like when you start all three of those guys, and, and it's kind of – you want two of them on the floor at all times. And so to have two of them on the floor, it's hard to start all three of them. Um, and, you know, you get you – get, one of them gets two fouls, and you, you have this uh, – then, you know, you got the four or five minutes you got to rotate because they – apply so much pressure on the perimeter so you may see like you, you could see Feliz still coming off the bench you could see Williams starting and, and then Feliz coming in at that first break and then as much as you want you know you, you're going to have those guys on the floor as much as you can but at the same time maybe from a rotation standpoint it works better when they're not all on the floor to start with so I mean I think those that's clearly the best five but maybe they don't start so I, I think that's going to be a work in progress. Well, I think uh, Brad that uh, that Underwood has that rotation in his mind that he he didn't know what to do last night because because he had his best five out on the court. Which I I don't know uh, how long could you expect? How many minutes can you expect from let's say from Kofi? He played twenty eight. Can he play twenty eight in the Big Ten? I think foul trouble will limit that a little bit. I think they're trying to stretch him out to see how much he can play. You know that's why they wanted him to play twenty eight last night. Um, I would expect him to play maybe. You know, I think it's going to depend game to game, but twenty to twenty to twenty-eight is probably. I think twenty-eight is probably the max. Um, so somewhere between twenty and twenty-eight minutes, I think you're going to see um, almost all the minutes at the five are going to be Georgie or Kofi, and I because I, I don't really see them having another option. You know, Hamlin is just, although he does some good things defensively at times, he's got a long way to go, and, and so more than a minute here or there, um, he's not going to see a lot of time. So it's going to be Kofi or Georgie at the five, and then. When they're in there together, Georgie's going to slide to the four. So you're going to, you know, that I think that's going to end up being it. So I think Kofi will have some games when he's at 20 minutes, depending on foul trouble and, you know, and what time of, type of style they're seeing. And then I think there are some games where he may get 28 minutes. So I, I think it's just going to vary. I'm going to give you one that nobody can explain completely for me. All preparations for the Italian trip, we were allowed to watch practice then. And at, at in Italy – the two best players all along were Desumu and Alan Griffin. Last night, I don't want to use the word worst, but they were just about the worst players on the team. With turno- had six turnovers between them, and they shot two for 13. How do you explain that? Well, I mean, I think I, I thought Io pressed. Uh, he missed a couple open shots early, um, and then I thought he got a little frustrated. Um, I think Alan Griffin... Um, when he went in the game, things didn't go well, you know, defensively or offensively. And, and I think he also, you could see from body language, and I think that's something they both have to work on. Um, you, you know, at the same time, you see a guy like, and some of that's maturity. You know, you see a guy like Feliz who maybe he didn't have a great start because he didn't really do, you know, he's just kind of pl- catching up with the flow. And, and But then when it's time, he finds his uh, finds his opportunities and he, and he takes advantage. And you see him almost never – you know, although he's, you know, he's, he's vocal and leading, 
he doesn't really change his demeanor. Like he doesn't get down when a shot doesn't go in or miss free throw, things like that. So just the maturity level, I think is, is the big thing. And so those guys are, they're, they're growing. I mean, they're young. I mean, they're both sophomores. So we're used to, you know, in this day and age of college basketball, you know, freshmen play so much, but you know, they're, that's, um, you know, they're growing and they're going to be fine. I'm not really worried about Iota Sumo. I think, you know, he's a proven player. I think Allen's going to be inconsistent this year. You know, there are going to be some games when he looks great and, does a lot of good things there are other games where i think he's going to be up and down and um also you remember in in italy the the competition level maybe wasn't great all the time and you didn't have Feliz, you didn't have kofi so they got a lot more minutes to kind of play through their kind right. of mistakes a little bit and so now you're like well you know if we're going to do it we saw that with uh benjamin last night where he uh had the lane violation he only played six seconds his first stint you know he's like you can't do that so uh (laughs) they're gonna learn you know i think they're gonna learn and they're gonna grow and they're gonna there's uh there's a lot more depth than there has been and more size and more athleticism okay let's talk about recruiting tell us about curbello well, he, I mean, he's a true point guard, just a, a dynamic playmaker, a guy who can pass the ball. He uh, he can score. He finishes well at the rim, um, gets the rim. Um, just, But he's a great passer. I mean, he's just one of those guys who knows how to facilitate, make the other guys better. He's a, he's an adequate three-point shooter, but that's not his strength. Um, I think when you see him, you know, you, you see a guy like he's going to develop his three. I think Feliz has become a really, you know, good three-point shooter this year, and you can see that, you know, in, in practice. I think – Corbello is going to follow that kind of same path where he may not he may not be a great three point shooter his freshman year, but he's going to keep getting better because he has, you know he has a good form on his jumper and and, um, and and he can shoot it, but he just you know, it isn't a strength. And but he is a, just a, he's underrated athletically. He's a better athlete than people think um, because he's maybe not a huge high flyer, but he does you know he gets up pretty well for a guy who's six foot six one. Um, but like you know, our guys who are national guys too, well, they think he's probably the top pure point guard in the class. Um, just when it comes to just making other guys better, facilitating, you put on a team with four talented guys around him, and they're just going to be better, and he's going to make them better. And, and you know, he's probably a three or four year guy because he is six foot six one. Um, if he was six five, that wouldn't be the case. But he's six foot six one, and and I think uh, Illinois is really lucky to get a kid like this. This is uh, you win a lot of games. I mean, you look at a kid like uh, Cassius Winston at Michigan State, who, you know, is a little bit undersized and and, and you know six foot tall and and maybe is um, you know has played four years and just won a ton of games. And I think you can see, and hopefully Illinois can have that kind of run. But I mean, you see a guy like Curbelo could be a four-year starter who comes in and, and plays alongside, you know, whether it's, you know, Trent Frazier, you know, um, next year, and then, you know, Adam Miller possibly, you know, is, is the next guy that they want, or, or Alan Griffin. I mean, he could be – he's going to make all those guys better, um, you know, for the next four years. Talking uh, basketball with Brad Sturdies from Orange and Blue News, Rivals.com. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. You mentioned Adam Miller. What do you think about him? How do you uh, feel about Illinois' chances there? And when might he let people know what he's going to do? Well, you know, he had a, he had an Instagram thing the other day where he said it was going to be January. I, I don't think it'll be January. I think he'll make a decision before that. Um, you know, I don't know if there's a set date yet. I think they're working on some times when he's going to make a decision. I do expect it to be in the next in this month of November. Um, I think, you know, sometimes that, you know, the, the CPS strike was like 11 days. So those kids were out of school. So a lot of this, you know, you can't do a lot of the planning 
during that time period. Um, you know, it's just a little different. Everything's messed up. You don't know when you're going back to school, so it's hard to make a uh, plan and announcement. I, I think, um, you know, seems like Illinois and Arizona State are the, are the top two. I think Illinois is in a really good position. Obviously, they're going to have to keep recruiting him and making sure uh, up until the day he commits and signs. And so, um, but I think Illinois is in a good position. And it's amazing how well he and Curbelo fit together. Both guys are, you know, Miller's more of a scoring guard. Um, he can really shoot it. But he also, you know, he can play some point. Um, he's probably like, you know, when you kind of think about it, he's left-handed, he reminds you a little bit of maybe a six foot four version of like a Trent Frazier, you know, where he can – you know, he can really score, but, um, you know, he can also play some point when needed. And, and I think uh, he's going to step in and he's, he, you know, he could step in right in that IO spot if, you know, when IO, you know, as, a, you know, we expect him to, to go to the NBA after this year. And so I think Miller would be a great uh, replacement. I was going to ask you about what uh, you think Miller might be thinking with uh, the commitment of Curbelo. Does he see the, uh, the possibilities there or that wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't uh, adversely affect his decision, I wouldn't think, because they're, they're two different players, right? No, yeah, I think they're – I mean, he sees himself, you know, they see Curbelo maybe being more like a Feliz, you know, and then, you know, Adam could be more like an I am. So those are guys that – you know, and those are the two guys that they probably are going to lose. So they, they really fit well into the Illinois, um, Illinois uh, um, roster right now. And so – this is, um, you know, Miller, you know, we'll wait and see. You know, you never want to jump the gun, but Illinois feels, I think they feel good, and it sounds like uh, they've had really good vibes from him, so we'll see what happens. And uh, I don't, I do think it's going to be in the in the near future. I don't think it's going to be January because I just don't think he wants to wait that long, and um, and I think he, Illinois would like him to, you know, make a decision or, you know, I think teams want to know where they stand and where, where he's going, even though, you know, you, you're never going to tell a guy that, you know, you, you don't want him, you know, in a month or whatever. We can't wait till January because he's, you know, too talented. But at the same time, I think both all the schools involved really want to know so they know where they move, where their next move is. Uh, talking about uh, turning pro, how do you see uh, Kofi long-term in that regard? You know, it's interesting. The NBA is so different um, than it used to be. I mean, I think you go back, 15 years and Kofi's probably a one and done um, because, you know, the size was, you know, they used to throw the ball in the post and, you know, and run through that. Well, now it's, it's a totally different game. And um, I, I think that he's a kid that probably is going to be in school at least two years. And, and then I think it just depends on how he develops his, you know, his perimeter game and his ability to defend on out on the perimeter, defend ball screens and things like that. Obviously, on the interior, he's a beast. Um, he's so physically strong and um, so imposing. You know, you know, six foot eleven, two hundred ninety pounds. But, but I think as he his ability to move and and guard out on the perimeter and understand those situations, and, and you see him, he's got that. You know, he's got that mid range game, and you can see NBA guys with that face up jump shot as he expands it from fifteen feet. He's pretty good, and you know, if he can expand that to even 17, 18 feet, you know, he really can, uh, you, you can space the floor a little bit and eventually you, you know, it, it, he can maybe be even more. I mean, you look at kind of the, the changes that a guy like, uh, Julia Okafor has made, um, to become a, a, you know, the metamorphosis from like a low post player to more of a perimeter guy. And I think that's what you're going to have to see from Kofi as you go to the NBA, um, you know, down the road. And I think, so I think he's going to need a couple of years in college and, 
um, you know, it's hard to hard to project, you know, with, with big guys, that, like I say, because the NBA has changed so much. Hey, Brad, good stuff. Good to see you last night. We'll see you Tuesday, I'm guessing, uh, when it all starts for real against Nickel State in the season opener. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, Tuesday's I excited to see a, like a, a real game, and uh, I think that'll be uh, be fun. And we're gonna I, we'll probably see a better IO on Tuesday night. So, all right, we'll talk to you. All right, thanks, guys. You bet, Brad Sturdy, Orange Blue News Rivals dot com with us, Illinois dot com. You want to follow Brad Sturdy online? Also, Doug Bouchon, Kedrick Prince, those guys all do uh, some work there for Rivals dot com. It's nine thirty. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And we're back with more after this. Stay with us. Join us for the next edition of the Lovey Smith Radio Show, Monday night, 7 to 8, Papa Dell's Pizza Factory in Champaign. We'll take a look back at the game against Rutgers. Look ahead to Michigan State. It is 9.33, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. With you until 11 o'clock, we've got Illinois football on the air this afternoon. Our pregame coverage begins at 1. Illinois and Rutgers in a Big Ten game kicking off at 2.30. The Illini trying for its third straight victory on the football field. We'll talk more about that as we move along. We talk some Illinois basketball. An exhibition win last night over Division II Lewis University, 83-50. to Let's talk some baseball now with our friend, Bernie Miklas. Haven't talked to Bernie uh, since uh, baseball got wrapped up. Bernie, what's going to keep you busy now? Oh, man. There's a, good morning to both you guys. There's a lot of things, you know, college football season, the blues, baseball offseason, you name it. Um, never never sleeps. It's uh, There's always something going on, as you guys know. Let's start with the baseball offseason as far as the Cardinals are concerned. What do you – how do you um, – evaluate their biggest needs and what do you think they might do? Well, it, it's pretty easy because you just look back and I'm telling everybody what they already know, but the the pitching was good. The bullpen was very good. Defense was very good. The base running was very good. So uh, that leaves us one area, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was one area that wasn't good and that was the offense. They just... Um, had way too many low-scoring games. Uh, couldn't couldn't hit off-speed pitches. We're the worst team in baseball at hitting the changeup, and we're very easy to get out. So th- the obvious need is to pump up that offense. But the, the the way you do it, I don't. No one has an easy answer because they've got so many guys under contract and so many jobs that are already accounted for in effect. And, there's not a lot of openings, um, realistically. So I don't know how you get better unless you shake it up by making some kind of huge trade. And don't ask me who, because I have no, <laughs> I have no idea. Well, what do you what do you think about the outfield? Are they going to are they going to sign Ozuna? Are they going to bring him back? And what are they going to do about center field and right field? Are they going to go with Fowler still? Well. Lauren, Azuna is is certainly a key. I I think they're reluctant. He's 29 years old. You know how it is. He's got a history not showing up to camp in shape or not doing his rehab on his shoulder or whatever. Um, I I think I go along with everybody else who believes that they'll they'll make the qualifying offer, and then if he takes it, then he'd be here one more year. If he signs as a free agent elsewhere, um, then, of course, Cardinals will get a draft pick. 
so that's one one job that's to be determined because it's not sure what you know what will happen with him. But you know, do you you got all these young guys that they to me they have failed to sort out. You know, where, where does where does uh, Randy Rosarina mm-hmm. uh, fit in? Where where does Lane Thomas fit in? What what is their belief about Tyler O'Neill? Has he kind of has his stock dropped? Um, can they count on Harrison Bader to hit? Then they have their top prospect Dylan Carlson, who I actually think will be a really good hitter. But when will we see him? Is is this a situation where he comes up in June? Um, uh, you know, I, I doubt that he'd be there from the very beginning. He'd probably start the year at AAA. And then you have Dexter Fowler, who who had an average season, and he was fine. It, it's not like there was anything really bad about him. But you, if you just look at their whole outfield production compared to everyone else last year, they they were pretty mediocre. All the you know all the outfield offense combined. So it's a big, huge puzzle, and it's kind of a mess. And I just don't know if the Cardinals even know what they have. And that's why I always say. You know, I'm not sure what they'll do because I'm not sure that they know what they have, and and that's kind of uh, I don't know how they see their own players, and that's kind of where it starts. But you know, can you find a trade for Dexter Fowler? Would Joe Madden want him out in Anaheim? I don't see any any room out there. Um, it, it, he has a no trade. Matt Carpenter has a no trade. Uh, it's really really complicated. Then then of course you know Tommy Edmond could figure in the outfield. I know it's a long answer, and I apologize, but it's just – I think that reflects how messy of a situation it is because there's so many names. Well, while we're talking about the Cardinals, what about the Cubs? Do you see them making any major trades? What? How is their team going to change with the new manager and with Ross taking over? Uh, I like that hiring. I think he's a really smart guy, and I think he's definitely tough. I think – ESPN and everyone's kind of turned him in, into that whole grandpa figure, but I actually think he's a pretty hardcore baseball man. I like the I like the move they made there. Uh, Ricketts was on all the you know made his radio sports radio tour and he made it clear that you're at least try to make it clear they weren't going to spend money. Their payroll's already too high, so I think the question with the Cubs is pretty simple: Do they? Do they try to trade uh, a, a, a Chris Bryant? Do they do they put Schwarber out there? Um, do they put Hap out there? Do they put one of their you know one of their young position players out there to see what kind of uh, kind of return it would get? I, I think you know when they go to you talk about shaking them up. I, I think that's where that starts. I mean the, the idea of whether they'd be willing to part with a core a, a young core position player. Because they're pretty locked in with pitching, you know. There's not a lot of wiggle room there as far as their rotation. So, um, I, I bet you that they plan. Kind of, I really believe this as a quick aside, but it's very related. I think when the Cardinals put Mike Schild in as the manager, they thought that they would improve a lot internally just by cleaning things up with their defense and their base running, and they were right because he did that. He did an excellent job in his staff with that. I really believe Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer believed that they were very, as everybody knows, the followers of Cubs. They, they were they were very distressed by how sloppy the Cubs were and how disorganized they were and their situational hitting and a lot of the base running blunders. 
um, the defense in certain areas. I, I think they feel they'll, they'll make internal improvement uh, simply because David Ross and his staff, when he puts it together, they'll really clean things up similar to the way Schilt did in St. Louis. So they, they'll, they'll expect to win more games just by not giving games away. You know what I'm saying? We're talking uh, baseball with Bernie Miklas from St. Louis. And we've got uh, the phone lines open, 356-9397. Our uh, resident Cardinal fan in Pinehurst, North Carolina, is with us. Marty, you're on the air. Go ahead. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. And more important, my favorite guy you bring on, Morning Bernie. Always good to hear from you. Pinehurst, shouldn't you be playing golf? (laughs) Today would actually be a good day. It's kind of one of those fall days, crisp, clean, clear. Yeah, I probably should be, but... When I heard you were on, Bernie, what could I do? There you go. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you as always, Marty. This is off the wall a little bit, but I want to get your thinking on it. Um, I know we got a ton of outfielders. I know that Fowler's got a no trade. I don't don't care if Fowler and Carpenter come off the bench. They'd be great pinch hitters and occasional players. I think Tommy Edmonds has more than enough speed and more than enough baseball IQ to be – a hell of a center fielder, not just a right fielder, which opens up a chance to go after a third baseman. Uh, I would prefer a left-handed bat there with some pop because they need more offense. Now, wait a minute. There's a right-handed third baseman playing for Washington. (laughs) Yeah, if they want to open the pocketbooks, I'd love to have him. But, you know, I don't know if they open those pocketbooks. That's a big one. I I think that – the the multiple outfielders they have can figure in left field, assuming Ozuna goes and signs somewhere else. I'm wondering if having a bat that's consistent in center field rather than a Bader who's a great center fielder but his bat's inconsistent as the Dickens. Uh, putting a bat out there that's going to bat 300 and get you 15 home runs and play great defense uh, it opens up a spot where you can get a great third base bat which is the only business I see that's really could be open is at third base, is either third base or left field. So what's your thinking on that type of thing, Bernie? Oh, I, I, I like the way you're thinking. Um, the, the, the left-handed bat, I mean, could, would, you, would you sign, if you're the Cardinals, would you sign Moustakas? I always like them, actually. I would. I think he's done. I like yeah, I think he's Yeah, I think he's done well in Milwaukee. Now, the only thing I'd say – Although left-handed power travels pretty well at Bush Stadium, more so than right-handed power. I, I think yep. his numbers, to an extent, get a boost from being at Miller Park, but I don't know that he yeah. have as much power here. But I like he's also a good, great guy in the clubhouse, so that's a, that's certainly an idea. The the this is the counterpoint to that. Not that we're debating, but I just like to always look at every side. Yep, Edmund is so valuable in that you can play him everywhere, which gives you great Absolutely. flexibility in your lineup. So, I mean, he's. Yeah. you know what the bottom line is? And I've said this and written this. I was really wrong about this guy. I underestimated him. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't buy all the spring training buildup of him because, I've, frankly, I've heard it about right. so many players. I, I've sort of become immune to it. I just don't want to hear it. But he's really, <laughs> really good, and I think he'll get even better. Um, I, al- so, I also would Go ahead. I'm out- sorry. One other little thing started with Kansas City and and uh, their run in fourteen and fifteen, and the Nationals and the Astros were two of the top three teams I believe in baseball at putting the ball in play, not striking out. Is there a way St. Louis can 
look at the players they have and find some guys that will put the ball in play. So I'm not bored to tears with these three true outcomes. You know, it's it's funny you bring that up because I had started to write a piece yesterday that I'm going to finish early next week, maybe for The Athletic, about that very topic in that you're correct. In fact, if you want to get to the, the technically, Houston and Washington had the top two high, top highest uh, contact rates in the majors this year, and uh, they the, the Astros struck out fewer than anybody, and the, the Nationals were, I believe, in the top five. I don't have my numbers in front of me. Uh, there is a way to improve that internally, um, and it starts with Jeff Albert, the hitting coach. It isn't so much him. Because the more I've talked to people, the more I realize part of the problem, there's too many players who were reluctant to embrace what he was teaching. Ah. And the thing, the thing about that, and when I, like, I'll be very, very honest. When I hear Harrison Bader tell, uh, tell Derek Gould and tell Mark Saxon and some of the other writers, yeah, I'm not that I'm not all that interested in that stuff. Well, um, son, uh, see, I'm 60 years old. I can say that now. Uh, son, son, maybe maybe you should be interested in it because you can't hit anything except the fastball. Okay, so maybe you ought to listen to a coach. I think well, that plus, I think in that clubhouse there were a lot of guys or some guys that just wanted to do it their way. Now here, Jeff Albert to me has credibility. All you got to do is go ask those Houston Astros hitters that came up through the farm system with him who swear by him. Now, are we going to take their word for it? A team that shows you exactly how to hit in terms of approach and plate discipline and pitch recognition. We're going to listen to them about Jeff Albert, or are we going to listen to Harrison Bader? Uh, exactly. I don't think there's much. I don't, you know, so that, that irritates me, as you guys can tell. The other thing yeah. is, I'll be honest, too, and I've said this on my own show, so I'm not trying to serve the uh, nasty stuff for you guys, but they're they're not a smart team when it comes to hitting. They um they <laughs> hit agree. 205 against they hit 205 against changeups this year. They also had the lowest slugging percentage in baseball against changeups. They also got more changeups thrown to them than than all but about four or five teams. And they yeah. also had fewer fewer fastballs thrown to them, four seam fastballs than all about four or five teams. So let's look at the numbers. So they're not throwing you fastballs, and they're throwing change-ups to you more than just about anybody, any team in baseball is facing. And yet you continue to be vulnerable and get yourself out on change-ups. That tells me very bluntly you ain't very smart about what well, to look plus, for. The, the other thing I'd add is they have guys, O'Neal, he has power. Bader, yeah, he's got some power. But they can run. And if those yeah. guys just make contact and put in play, they're going to get hits with legs. They should never be striking out with two strikes. They should be doing everything in God's earth to put the bat on the ball. I'm an old and baseball, high school about baseball coach, is, and it frustrates me. It, it, another thing about that, if you look now again, this, I'm not saying Randy Rosarina is going to be uh, Willie Mays. I'm not saying that at all. But if you yeah, look at his like minor league it. numbers, he's always had, he's had very good plate discipline. He puts a ball in play. To your point. Well, you need yeah. to put a guy – you need to get at-bats for a guy like that. Plus, he can run and he can throw. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I like so what I, I see the limited time I've seen. They're frustrating. Oh, well, I'm, I'm dominating too much of uh, Steve's time this morning, but boy, Bernie, I love talking to you. I love your thinking. No, I appreciate it, Marty. Thank you. The biggest problem the Cardinals got is if they get rid of Ozuna, who bats cleanup? You know, they just don't have a cleanup hitter. Uh, and they, no, they're giving man. up maybe 100 runs batted in if he stays healthy. You know, and the other thing is I think they need to go they don't they need to go young when uh they have a chance to go young. Because look at what they found in Tommy Edmond and to their credit, um to Mike Schilt's credit, he's like, you know, this guy's a really good player. We're going to get him in the lineup and he did. And you cringe to think about how bad that attack would have been in the second half of the season without Edmund oh, in the Lord. middle of it. You know, oh. so the the thing the thing about it is like um you know that that's why when when in doubt you know play a young guy with potential because it's the only way you're going to find out what he has and that even includes catcher and I I tell you what I bring this up in St. Louis and I joke on my Give radio show that, you know, I feel Give like I'm going to get be better. I feel like I'm going to get arrested or something for saying this <laughs> and I'm not saying bench Yadi or Molina not at all I'm not saying phase him out but you have a young uh, young catcher, Kisner, who has hit everywhere he's been in the minors. He's not going to hit in the majors if he's playing once every 10 days. So there's a point in time where you just have to give some more at-bats to. If you have a young catcher who's going to be your next guy and he can hit, he's got to have more at-bats than he's getting. And if that means that Yachty plays 115 games as opposed to 135 or 140 or whatever it is, so be it. I mean, Yadier's just not a good hitter anymore. He's got his he, – he does it in spots. He has his moments. He's valuable behind the plate. But if you want to – if you need to pump up this offense, you got to look for spots where you can put a better bat in the lineup. Hey, Marty, we appreciate your call, as always. Bernie, real quick, Wainwright and Waka. Will they be back? Will, one, uh, will Waka be gone, you think? Real quick is I think it's Wainwright's decision. He doesn't want to pitch anywhere else but St. Louis. Right. They want him back, so he he's trying to decide with his family whether he wants to go one more year. I really do think it's as simple as that. Uh, with Waka, I'd be very I'm I'm very doubtful. They have some guys moving up in the system. I think they'd like to give it a chance to. So, and some guys that were hurt last year. And I'm not necessarily talking about Alex Reyes. Yeah, the dream is that you could get him ready, but obviously it's it's hard to count on him because of so many injuries. But you have Gomber coming back, and there's some some other people that are on the cusp. So I think they would want to keep that spot open for uh, an emerging young pitcher, and that's fine with me because they've done very well with young pitchers, i.e. Flaherty and, and Hudson. Hey, Bernie, we appreciate your time. As always, we can't hardly wait when it's <laughs> our time to, to talk baseball with you. Uh, on uh, this program, and we'll do it again soon. Sure. Well, if they make some moves, we can have a hot stove uh, interview too. And and I gotta say one more thing before I go: go Illini. So I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> We're you know, on a streak, been, Bernie. <laughs> absolutely, I've been watching and uh, talked to Coach Smith a couple weeks ago, and I'm really happy for him. And I hope they can get those wins they need to become bowl eligible because I I just uh, I really love the way they're playing and. Uh, also, our guy from St. Louis, Tony Adams, has been huge in this. So, uh, absolutely, I love I love to see the Illini doing well. So, th- thanks for having me on, as always. Yeah, Bernie, you know, uh, St. Louis has become a really uh, key uh, recruiting ground for Illinois with Patterson here, and you know, they're yeah. 
and they've they've done well there, and they got some more coming from there. There, no doubt. And I, when I had uh, Coach Smith on my radio show, we talked about that, and I told him, I said, well, anytime you want to come recruit in St. Louis, you 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 know you can get on, you come on my show, you can talk about it all you want. So uh, I think uh, I think very highly of him as far as kind of man he is, and. And uh, took him a while to get it going, but I, but, but I guess that was inevitable in a way. So I just, it, it's, it's just great to see some real progress being made, and hopefully they've turned the corner because uh, that's a good man right there. Hey Bernie, thanks. thanks we'll Bernie. talk to you again soon. See you guys. Take care. You bet. Bernie Miklas from St. Louis it is nine fifty-two. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly. We're back with more after this. Join us on Tuesday morning, 11 a.m. for Fighting Illini Women's Basketball as they host Chicago State to start the season. Mike Kuhn has the play-by-play Tuesday, 11 a.m. 9.55 on this edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock, 356-9397 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Thanks to Bernie Miklas for taking time with us. We're going to talk to David Jones out in Pennsylvania coming up at uh, the top of the hour. Martin O'Donnell will join us at 10.30 to talk about today's football game. Phone line is open. Let's go to the phones. And Alan in Montrose, what do you say, Alan? Morning, guys. Uh, I'm coming up to the football game. I hope we don't uh, take them too lightly today. Uh, is recruiting, we still have eight, Lauren. Yeah, but they're, uh, they've got some really good players in this weekend, and things are looking up right now. But, yeah, they haven't had they haven't added anybody in more than a month, have they? I don't think I don't think it's, it's been a long time since they added anybody. They've had a bunch of guys, as you mentioned, and more today. But they've, yeah. the last uh, couple of home games, they've had a lot of people here. Mm-hmm. And those uh, for you know, the Wisconsin game, especially, was good for them to see. Yeah, it would be. That's my <clears throat> kind of concern. We're all looking towards next year because this is a junior-laden team. But it <clears throat> seems like in Illinois' history, in the past, ever since Mike White. We always have that one every four or five good years, and we can never capitalize on our uh, recruiting the following years to keep it keep it evened out and keep it going. I'm afraid we're at that point again, because after next year, we may be uh, hurting for good bodies by that time. Winning some football games and getting to a bowl game this year would really help. There's no question yeah. that, the, that the culture would be different, the the entire view of the of the team would be different among those players who right now are still on the fence. But Illinois is way behind right now in this year's recruiting, just as they were last year and the year before. This is three years of, of uh, mediocre recruiting, but uh, at the same time, you've got time to correct this now, and you've also got players that are already looking at from LSU and from Michigan. We have transfers that are right now looking at Illinois and considering Illinois and in negotiations with Illinois to come in here and uh, next year. So there's things going on that we don't know. And with the, with the, what I call almost free agency in college football now, I think Illinois is going to be a leader in terms of getting adding players just as they added those key seven pl- key players that are right. playing this year. I think you're going to see that. Right. Uh, one basketball question. Listen to the game last night. Is uh, Bozeman Berdank going to be the player I think he could be? I I just don't know how soon it's going to happen, but I think yes. I think the answer is that he's everything we've seen so far indicates he is an uh, 
a really good, promising power forward. He's got all the right, at, right attributes at, for a power forward. He can step out and shoot. He can rebound and it looks like he can play defense. The, fact, the problem is he's only been out for practice fully five days, right, Steve? And, and he ha- when he started practicing, he was only practicing 30 minutes. They're so careful with that leg, they just don't want anything that they don't want to have a recurrence of that uh, shin, shin splint, or not shin splint, uh, stress uh, fracture. Stress fracture, yeah. He had a pretty good day for, uh, for being out there only five days. Yep, eight minutes, three for three from the field, all three three pointers. He also he scored 11 points total, actually, he had uh, uh, a couple of rebounds as well, so uh, three rebounds in just eight minutes of play. So he's a guy that uh, I think the upside's pretty good. Upside's good. I I just I can't see him doing anything other than coming off the bench with with uh, Georgie playing the four now. It's okay. And you know I I I I don't know when he will break in, but he's he looks awfully awfully promising. He may be our hidden gem. Could be. All right, Alan. Yep. Appreciate the call as we uh, move up to ten o'clock. There was a death uh, this week in. The Illini basketball family, Ron Dunlap, who played back in the mid-60s, mid and late 60s, dead at the age of 72. Lauren, you were covering uh, the well, beat the at fir- that time. Fir- the first year I was here, Ron Dunlap was a rapidly developing what I considered a star center. He and Rich Jones were the big guns on that team, on a team that actually had an MVP that year, and Jimmy Dawson uh, was MVP of the Big Ten. But that was after the slush fund. Slush fund hit in December. And Ron Dunlap was banned midway in his junior year for receiving $25 a month. $25 a month. Laundry money. And he lost, yeah, and he lost his scholarship. He lost his ability to play and, of course, never played again and became a very successful uh, principal, I believe, up in Wisconsin. I think it was Wisconsin, somewhere in the state, where he became an educator and, and ultimately a principal. And he passed away uh, this past week at, at the age of 72. Just a terrific guy, uh, a really great young guy that, uh, that I remember and who got a really bad break. 10 o'clock, 10.01, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk is in the books. We'll be back with hour number two after this. Feel free to join us. 356-9397 is the number. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hour number two is underway. Illinois football this afternoon, 2.30 kick time against... The Scarlet Knights of Rutgers, pretty good crowd yesterday, Lauren, at uh, the quarterback club meeting. Those wins will do that. One thing that continues to impress me is how well the seniors, and they had Justice Williams on before, and they had Dre Jones, uh, Dre Brown on before. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they had all the seniors, that uh, all except uh, uh, one or two that that had class. I think Milan had a class and and one other. I think uh, Davis was missing uh, for some reason, but... I'm so impressed with how they do at the mic. They're just really good. These guys are really sharp, and uh, they've been through a lot, Steve. I just keep repeating that. Just think of what it would be like if you were in school and you enroll 
and your team just loses year after year after year and it gets to a point where how do you maintain your drive your desire and these guys have and and it's a pretty you know it's not a big senior class so we know that a lot of them are gone but they had about three or four that were fifth year seniors including Dre Brown and by the way wasn't that an interesting answer that we got from Dre Brown on whether he might come back next year you see when you're out for medical reasons two years in a row you can still get four years after that if you appeal mm -hmm. and if your appeal is accepted and his he's got It'd be a, a slam dunk wouldn't it his is a slam dunk yeah, yeah because he was he had multiple knee surgeries and really he didn't really the first three years he barely played you know so he he could come back but i he didn't say he would come back but he did say that it's something that uh, he wouldn't say he wouldn't but he uh, he did indicate that uh, I think he's going to consider. He's married now. He's I think his plan is to go forward with his life. But Steve, if he came back and had another season, he looks to me like a potential NFL player. Am I am I going overboard there? No, I don't think so. I I like the way he runs. He's physical. He really is, and he's bigger. You know, he's quite a bit taller than Reggie. Reggie's a, uh, kind of a short guy anyway. But uh, they complement each other very well. Yeah. And a couple of those runs in that Wisconsin game. And then, of course, last week he had a career-high 131 yards on 12 carries. He's just getting better and better. And, and he's, you know how you can tell a guy when he can return kickoffs the way he does? He's been a really good kickoff return guy. And I keep coming back to that great kickoff return he had against Nebraska that was called back for, for a, a holding penalty that had probably nothing to do with the play. I, I mean, nothing to do with his performance. Had that play gone through, had the Illini been able to take the ball in that position, they were already ahead and could have scored pretty easily, at least with a field goal, because he he carried it past midfield. Um, I, I know I'm, you know, that, that's just a thought, but I mean, I, he, he's he's leading the Big Ten, I believe, in kickoff returns or second, first or second in kickoff returns in the league, and this is the second year in a row he's doing it, so it's no fluke. Yeah, the seniors, Dre Brown, Reggie Corbin included, Richie Pettibone, who's only been here a few months. Yeah. But they were all very impressive at the quarterback I line. thought they were impressive. And, and I they asked him some uh, off-the-wall questions. and yeah. some, uh, you know, They not, handled them, didn't they? Not football-related questions. They had him reach in a bag and just pull out a random question. They all handled it very well. Dre was smart enough to, to mention his wife a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> so he's learning uh, how that game is played for sure. But uh, If you could ride on an airplane for 10 hours, yeah. who would you like to sit next to? And you're married and you don't say your wife? <laughs> <laughs> you're newly married, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he said, well, love me, of course. <laughs> yeah, but he got it right before he, he was done for sure. But uh Game time is 2.30 this afternoon. Rutgers comes in. You know, they're just not very good, but they, they won last week. They did get a win for their interim coach, uh, Nunzio Campanile. Campanile. Sounds like a New Jersey guy, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. And he had a state championship team there a couple years ago, I think 217. He had a high school championship and team. And the quarterback a, uh, that's playing today was on that. He quarterbacked that team. Yeah. So he coached yeah. him in high school to a state championship. And Johnny Lang is his name, and he's having a tough time. Langdon's had a really tough time since he took over at quarterback. This is after, uh, as I stated earlier, Archer Sir, Art Sir Sitkowski decided after the fourth game that he wasn't going to play anymore. He's going to redshirt this year, so he'll have eligibility next year somewhere else. Probably. 
He hadn't announced that he's leaving, by the way, that well, I know of. He's not the only but, guy to do that, or nor will he be the only guy who will do something like that. You know, I, I read the story about him, and there are other players on other teams doing that. Several others have decided that, oh, my, if I just, you know, I've played four games. Now, if I don't play anymore, I can get an extra year of eligibility. And they're doing that. And I'm, not, I'm sure that's, that is not what the NCAA uh, set this rule up in favor of. I mean, I'm sure they don't like this, but that, people are taking advantage of the rules. Hopefully uh, it'll be a good crowd today. The weather's not terrible and uh, a chance to have three wins in a row. Illinois attendance, as you may have seen in the News Gazette this morning, uh, Bob Osmussen did a story on that, 56th in the country at mm-hmm. about 36,000 a game, and that's tickets sold. Yeah, I'd like to see, that's tickets sold. I'd like to see... Uh, Few more people, few more Use butts in tickets. the seats. Yeah, <laughs> get out there today and, and see this team trying to get bowl eligible. Let's go to the phones. Chuck calling in on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk from Camargo. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good. I had a question. I was listening to the game on the radio and on the stream, and I heard the announcer and Brian Barnhart pronounce Kofi's name as Coburn. That's correct. It, that, it, it, is the case island in that, or it is? It's, I'm yep. really confused. It's kind of a. I'm told it's a Scottish name, and uh, that's the way it is pronounced in the old country, so to speak. It is pronounced Coburn. Okay, that that was really bothering me, and I was trying to figure that out. So I really appreciate that. So how are you feeling about the football game today, Chuck? Illinois will win fifty-two to ten. Fifty-two okay. to ten. Okay. All right. Hey, we appreciate uh, I, you coming. I, I, I wrote it down. See a little bit of Isaiah Williams today, too. By the way, speaking of redshirting, they should redshirt him, shouldn't they? I mean, he He's can only play played uh, two games. You can, yeah, you can play uh, two more games, and, and why would you want to play him three more? Would he be eligible to play in a bowl game for the fourth game or no? No, I mean, that, that would count toward his season. Well, he's right. saying but if he, if he, if he was sitting on three games. Oh, yeah. He, yes. Oh, yeah. If you sat on three, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Yep. Appreciate the call. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. And if you're heading to the ball game, let us know about that. If you saw the basketball game last night, we've talked a lot about that, but we can do some more. 83-50 to 50 was the final. Didn't mention volleyball. Volleyball's in a slump. Yeah, that was a rough loss to, to Michigan last night. They they did win the third set, but uh, fell right back in the fourth set and got beat pretty bad. I think it was about 25-18 in the fourth set. They are now 10-10 on the season, 5-6 and six in the Big Ten in seventh place. They're ranked 19th. That's got to – they'll drop. They could drop out of the top 25. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this one will hurt. They lost 3-1. Uh, to one. To an unranked Michigan team last night. It doesn't. It isn't so bad when you lose to a top ten team, but when you lose to a team that's like Michigan, that's that indicates something's a little wrong with the operation right now. Back to the uh, football schedule today. As I mentioned earlier, six Big Ten teams are off, including Penn State and Minnesota, two of the undefeated teams left in the league. Both those teams are off today, and they meet next week. Kind of a interesting. Schedule note there that uh, they have the uh, open week prior to a battle of undefeated teams. And Penn State goes to Minneapolis next week. How do you think that's going to go? Well, I think Penn State will defeat Minnesota. I but I, I just, uh, but I have to give credit to Minnesota for recovering from three very shaky early 
wins over very poor teams. Uh, I still remember the Georgia Southern game where they were trailing in the last four minutes, last minute. In fact, they scored with less than a minute to go to win the game. And uh, all of a sudden, they, they, they picked up a running offense that seems to be, you know, working every week. Now, can it, can it work against Penn State? I don't think so. I think Penn State's better. I mean, might be decisively better, but I wouldn't have Minnesota in my top 25. I mean, I would if they beat Minnesota, but I don't. I, there's nothing to me indicate that they're that good except that they're proving me wrong every week. <laughs> well, they are in the top 25. They're 13th this mm-hmm. week at 8-0, and one of uh, six I teams. I don't think they're that good. But I don't either. Uh, six teams out of the Big Ten that are in the top 25, Ohio State number three, Penn State number five, both those teams 8-0 and in the season. Minnesota is 8-0 and and ranked 13th. Wisconsin uh, is 18th. Iowa 19th. Michigan is 14th in the uh, national ratings. And the uh, Big Ten is tied in with about 10 bowl games. And seven teams are bowl eligible now. Of course, most people think Ohio State will be in the playoff. And there are three other teams that need two wins to get bowl eligible, Illinois being one of them, Nebraska being one, and Michigan State being the other. So they could get up to that uh, number and, and uh, fulfill all their slots, but uh, still some action to be had. And Bob Osmus uh, Bob told me yesterday, and he thinks Illinois is going to win out, including a bowl game. Including Iowa, huh? He said they're going to be 9-4 and four when it's all over. Whoa! <laughs> Well, they're getting better and better. There's no doubt about that. Now, they, they certainly up front in the offensive line and defensive line, they took the measure of Purdue last week on that rainy field. Purdue, But the, the thing that Illinois has done in the last two games, and this will be the case today, they were running against their third consecutive team that for one reason or another, either because of the weather or whatever, can't pass. Langdon's just been a terrible passer for uh, Rutgers. I shouldn't say he can't. He's going to try to, and maybe he'll be successful today. But uh, Wisconsin could have hurt Illinois with the pass had they had they done a better job of passing because Illinois was so geared up to stop the run that uh, and, and Wisconsin was going to run anyway, and it was held to 156 yards rushing, which was a good job by Illinois. But I think that the two, the two turnovers late in the game changed that game in favor of Illinois, and it was a wonderful thing for, for Illinois to, to happen. But I think if, if the two teams played again, uh, Illinois would have a really tough time beating Wisconsin again. We know that. And, and uh, as far as the Purdue game is concerned, I don't know how good Purdue is because I can't tell when I watch a team play in a driving rain all day. Right. And they, they, they wanted to pass it, and they had four receivers absolutely drop balls right in their hands. It was a wet, slippery ball, and they got out of their hand, and they just dropped them. And so those, those, ha- those incidents uh, hurt Purdue early, and once Illinois got ahead, they were just able to play conservatively and, and run the ball and win the game 24-6. Uh, to 6. But uh, this is the third straight week that Illinois won't have to face what I would consider a, an, an, a strong passing game. So now, after, after today, we'll see what happens. And as the weather turns uh, toward you know toward cold and and rainy maybe and even snow we saw this week, maybe this is this, maybe Illinois got the type of team that can can survive in those conditions. Maybe so. You're going against the worst defense in the Big Ten by far. 445 yards a game Rutgers is giving up, and uh, they're 13th out of 14 in uh, passing defense. They're last in the Big Ten 
in rushing defense and have given up 37 points a game. Now, the numbers two or three years ago were not quite that bad, and Illinois wasn't as far along in the rebuild as they are now. But when everybody else had a win over Rutgers circled on the schedule, Rutgers came in here and uh, spanked the Illini. I remember that. Yeah, I, I think that this Illinois team is in, in better shape. Sure, and Rutgers is in worse shape, if, if yeah. that's yeah. that's possible. They've changed coaches. And you, we were talking about the seniors a minute ago, about all they've been through as far as the losses and the injuries and such. But think about changing coaches. Yeah. Not just head coaches, position coaches. Line coaches, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, Re- Reggie commented that he was here before Lovey even. And, uh, and of course, he went through – uh, Beckman and Cubitt and Lovey and uh, and not to mention all the position coaches. So that's yeah. a that's a big big thing as well. McLean's done a pretty good job with the offensive line now. He took over for Butkus and and this this line now this third straight year and to have all these multiple starts, twenty starts by everybody. I mean, you know, in a row, and to start every game this season along with Barker at tight end, that's huge because communication is such an important part of that. And I did bring, uh, you know, I, I, I know I'm repeating myself about Purdue. The exact opposite's true at Purdue. Their offensive line, they shifted the guard to a tackle, a tackle to center. I mean, they've, they've all had all kinds of movement up there where they, won't ha- they don't have that uh, you know, stability that Illinois had with the same six guys starting at tight end and in the line. You mentioned Purdue dropping those passes uh, last week in the rain. Same thing happened to Illinois. Josh well, Matterbebe dropped a couple. Yeah. The difference is Illinois just quit trying to pass. Yeah, didn't need yeah. to. And, and Illinois completed three passes all day. Now I, now I haven't gone back to see when when's the last time they completed three or fewer passes, but that doesn't happen very often. They only threw eight. <laughs> right. Peter, Peters threw seven. Yeah. And they tried that little. Was that play. was that pass by Washington a, a real pass? Well, I guess or? so. <laughs> it counted in the stats. It just slipped out of his hand, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. 1018 on the Line I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break. We'd love to hear from you. We're back with more after this. It is 1021, the Line I Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. College football this afternoon, pregame coverage from Memorial Stadium beginning at 1. Kick time is 2.30. Of course, we've got the play-by-play. Brian Barnhart, Martin O'Donnell. Martin will join us in a few minutes to talk about the game today and other Illini football matters. Carl is with us. Hey, Carl, what's on your mind this morning? Well, I was just thinking, Lauren, uh, hello to both of you, but uh, I was thinking the Indiana game in 2001 might compete with uh, the number of pass, the number of pass completions in the Purdue game. There was a driving rain in that game, and they virtually didn't pass at all. As I recall, they they had to run the ball to win the game. Well, that that could be. I don't know. I I can't go back that far. I I can't remember how many passes were completed. Oh, you could go back that far. You just can't remember. Well, that's true. I can't remember <laughs> yeah, yesterday. I, I, I don't remember the stats, but I remember. Uh, but I realized that, that that's the reason. If it wasn't for the rain of that game, Kurt Kittner would be number one in the passing yardage. Okay. But he's well. three yards short. Okay. Fine for Doe. So, so what you, what's going to happen today, do you think? 
I think Illinois is going to win. I'm not going to hazard a guess what the score is going to be. But I think there will be a bigger crowd today because it's Dad's Day. It's so. Dad's Day and uh, Military Appreciation Day as well. So, yeah, hopefully. I mean, plus you you got a chance to win three straight games for the first time in Big Ten play in a while. And you like, and there's only one more home game after this. So the, all the arrows are pointing towards a good crowd. I just hope it comes through. Yeah, well. I don't know. Dad say is always a big thing. Yep. Anyway. Well, the win today to really, really okay. uh, thanks, Carl. Really puts great importance on the on the remaining games, and none of the three teams remaining after Rutgers are particularly strong offensively. Michigan State is not. I think Iowa is is, is very good, but mostly in low scoring games when it counts. And Northwestern not scoring hardly at all this year. So. I think uh, Illinois' chances are are good in the remaining games. Uh, I, I don't. I I, I just think it's uh, based on the on the, what we've seen from the other Michigan State. We thought going into the season was a top twenty five team, and I don't see any, any reason to think that now. Michigan State is four and four, as is Illinois, and of course those two teams play each other next week in East Lansing, and they both need two more wins in the last three games. Uh, to uh, to get bowl eligible. But Michigan State, in week 12, has to go to Michigan. Then they end up with Rutgers. So they've, they'll beat Rutgers. Oh, that game's on the road. But So they've got Illinois, Michigan, and Rutgers to get bowl eligible. So that game next week will be big for them. And they've got some issues offensively and have all season. Yeah. Uh, their defense has been okay. They just lost a linebacker, though, that was suspended, yeah. right? Yeah, suspended. Yeah, he was... Good player. Yep. So it's coming down to the nitty-gritty for them and uh, and Nebraska. Speaking of suspensions, and this is pertinent to the Arizona game, I can't remember the young man's name, but the leading scorer in their red-white game, whatever that is. Basketball. Basketball uh-huh. is ineligible. It's suddenly, it's suddenly suspended. Let's put it that way. He's suspended, not ineligible. He's right. suspended. I assume he's suspended for the Illinois game. That's just a week off. But they, they just announced it yesterday. Or yeah, but they, do they play before that? He, <laughs> he might miss one game. Well, that's true, but it's a big deal that, they, that they've uh, suspended him. That game is next Sunday, week from tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Week from tomorrow. So Illinois basketball plays Nickel State out of uh, Louisiana. That game Tuesday at the uh, State Farm Center. Then Grand Canyon on Friday night in uh, Phoenix. And then Arizona on Sunday night. So we'll know more about this team then. But it's, as you mentioned earlier, it's not the uh, the killer schedule of those three games in Maui. And well, after Arizona, they just have a string of, of uh, what I would call reasonably easy games. I don't know how good Hawaii is, but the games are going to be home, and for the most part, Miami's going to be home. Yep. So they've got they've. If you recall last year, they they played seven really good teams way too early for an inexperienced team. This is a much more experienced team playing much weaker opponents. And they had a couple of those games won or close to being won. The Georgetown game they played pretty well. They lost it down the stretch. They lost it at Notre Dame. Uh, Last shot. I mean, well. Fraser had the last shot yeah. to tie, right? It wasn't to win; it was to tie. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I can't remember. And the Gonzaga game, they came back and had a shot to yeah. down yeah. in uh, late in that ball game in uh, Maui. So, 
But this schedule much more suitable. But it starts for real next week against uh, Nichols State. After that exhibition win last night, 83-50 to 50 was the final at the uh, State Farm Center. An announced crowd of over 12,000. There weren't that many people there. But it was good for the folks that were to uh, see this team for the first time. And then it counts for real next week. Once they got rolling, it was pretty impressive. It was. And you knew they were going to get rolling, but uh, all of a sudden it's 14 to 2, and you're going, (laughs) okay, then a little little time to to get settled in with each other. And then once they did, uh, Kofi Coburn was very impressive 16 points, 11 rebounds. Georgie also in double figures. Trent Frazier as well. Io, though, one for seven. Alan Griffin, one for six. So those guys are two for 13. And those are guys that are being highly counted on and, you know, expected to be uh, certainly much better shooters than that. Well, I think Griffin should have been the surprise of the season. In fact, there was even talk that he might start. But I think that uh, for the exhibition, I think that was uh, basically what Underwood wanted to do was reward the five guys that he thought had played the best. And it's pretty hard to keep Feliz out of there the way he's playing because he's really good. And, uh, more of a playmaker than Fraser is. Fraser's a scorer and a good player. I, I don't mean to run him down, but I mean, there's just the the the, the fact is that Feliz does more. When they came out for the second half, they were having trouble controlling the point guard. So mm-hmm. what did Underwood do? He put Feliz on the point guard. And Feliz, before halftime, when Illinois was trailing, he's the guy that brought Illinois back ahead right before half. And he, he's the guy that you want in there late in the ball game because he. He's he's physically he's in charge of things and he runs things and he's a, yeah, he's a really good point guard. He is and he goes to the basket well. He rebounds the ball well for his size and, yeah. and as Brad Underwood called I mean, him. He's, he's been underrated uh, the, uh, for at least uh, half a year. Yeah, he's a bulldog defensively as well. Ten twenty eight. We'll talk some more Illinois football. Martin O'Donnell, Illinois radio football analyst, will join us to talk about today's game and other Big Ten matters as well. Stay with us. Feel free to join us three five six nine three nine seven. We're back with more after this. Join us later today for Illinois football at home again against Rutgers. Kickoff scheduled for 2.30. Illini game day from Grange Grove with Scott Beatty comes your way at 1 today. It is 10.32 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. Love to hear from you. We had some calls this morning. If you'd like to jump in on Illinois football and or basketball or the Hot Stove League in baseball, whatever else might be on your mind, feel free to do so at 356-9397. Going to talk some Illinois football for a few minutes. Big number 64 is with us. Martin O'Donnell, how you doing this morning, Martin? Doing great. How are you, Steve? We didn't wake you up, did we? <laughs> no. No, I'm here. Not with three, uh, <laughs> not with three young... Baby, I've been up forever. I was going to say, not with three young kids. Uh, you, you're rolling, I'm sure. Little afternoon start, two thirty kick time. Illinois and Rutgers. How you feeling about this football team after uh, those uh, two wins? Of course, the Wisconsin win we've talked a lot about. Then last week's game as well. But a chance to make it three in a row. You feeling confident? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly feel a lot better after the past couple of weeks. But you know, we're we're kind of getting to the point of the season where every week just the the importance of it is magnified. And I think that really starts today against Rutgers. I mean. Obviously, it's a Rutgers team that's down, but you know, the last time Rutgers came to Champaign, they left with a win, and 
you know, they're going to be giving Illinois everything that they can handle. So, um, you know, I think it's another opportunity for this team to just kind of show their maturity. I think they showed some of it last week against Purdue, but, you know, every week's a new challenge. Speaking of maturity, and Laura and I were talking about this a little bit ago on the show, about the offensive line, the consistency of this offensive line, and the way that um, Illinois is running the football now. As an offensive lineman yourself, an All-American first-team offensive lineman, you always pay attention to that. I get that. But uh, you got to be very proud of the way those guys have not only been consistent, but one of the reasons is nobody's getting hurt. They're just hanging in there tough. Yeah, no, they are. And I think, you know, obviously they came into the season as, you know, an area that people really thought was going to be a strength of this team. And they kind of had some ups and downs early. But, you know, I think really starting with the Michigan game, um, you know, they kind of answered the bell when the Wolverines came in here with a very good defense. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, and then Wisconsin and then Purdue. And so they've, they've progressively been getting better. And I think, you know, obviously as they continue to be, you know, a steadying force, that, that helps everybody. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I enjoy watching them. You know, they, they seem to have really good chemistry together. Obviously, four of those guys returned from last year. Uh, four of them will be coming back again next year. So, you know, certainly, you know, hopefully the offensive line remains a, a huge strength of this team going forward. Martin, you got uh, individual honors as as a as an offensive lineman. Do you see anybody on this uh, among these five that I hear uh, I'm hearing great things about Kramer how 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 well he's playing at center and I'm I know that Green's a tough blocker and then we got the two big tackles. Who in your mind would be, be the guy to step if you're going to uh, promote a guy for uh, within the Big 10 for all Big 10 honors, who would who would it be out of that line? Boy, that's a that's a really good question, Lauren. Um, you know, and, it, and, it, and I'm and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a lovey and, and avoid answering the question. Um, you know, I, it, it's hard to single out you know individual offensive linemen. I guess it would probably have. I mean, I think all of them have um, you know dominant stretches, and they've been pretty. Con- I mean, you got a guy like Vidarian Lowe, who I think has been you know one of the more consistent guys up there. He's been very solid in pass protection. Obviously, Kendrick Green. Um, you know, really his. You know, he's. You know, only been the offensive line for a couple of years in in college, but you know, really his his highs are higher than anybody on that offensive line. Um, you know, and you want to see him be a little bit more consistent, but he is just a, a devastating run blocker. I mean, Kramer in the middle. Um, you know, obviously, you know your your center is kind of like your quarterback of the offensive line. I think Doug's having a great year, uh, just being really consistent. You know, Richie Pettibone um, has stepped in really well for Nick Allegretti. He's been very consistent. Um, he's been really good in the running game and very solid in pass protection. And then you got Palcho, um, you know, at, at right tackle, Alex Palcheski, who's been really good as well and, you know, kind of plays with an edge. I mean, it, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to really single out one of those guys, so I'm, I'm just not going to do it more. Okay. Um, as far as uh, MVP of the team, how would, you, how would you react if I said Hanson might be the guy, even over Harding, who's leading the, leading the Big Ten in tackles? Yeah, no, I, I would totally understand that. I think he's still at seven forced fumbles, you know, up there uh, in terms of the nation and, and in tackles for loss and fumble recoveries. And, you know, I, I think that's a assessment there. I mean, I'd probably at this point throw Dre Brown into that conversation yeah. as well, just kind of given what he's meant to the team in some of those crucial clutch areas. Um, you know, and obviously Reggie's really starting to turn it on too. So it's, uh, no, but Jake Hansen, I think, has really taken a step this season as a player. I think, you know, last year watching him play, um, you know, he was making a lot more plays in the non-conference, and then kind of when the Big Ten season came around, he wasn't wasn't as visible. But, you know, boy, he just seems to be coming up big in, in the biggest moments this season. And, uh, you know, certainly look forward to, to watching him and Dele uh, just kind of keep it going today. I don't know if you can mention this guy in the MVP 
talk because he's not on the field enough, probably. But Blake Hayes, just what a weapon he is uh, to have back there in that punting slot. Yeah, no, he he has been really incredible. I mean, you saw the difference last week uh, against Purdue, and you know I think that was you know his punt that went down and and hit out at the one before it hit the pylon. You know, really setting up the pick six there was just such a crucial point of the game. So I think he's absolutely in the conversation uh, as to your most valuable players. And you know, I mean, one of the guys I'd throw in there too who doesn't get as much publicity. I mean, Jamal Milan has been fantastic on the yep. inside at defensive tackle, and he doesn't get all the stats, but. You know, his disruption and his ability to eat up blockers and to get penetration. I mean, he played his best game against Purdue, but, you know, he's, his success and the success of Tyler Oliver is playing good ball right now at the other D tackle. That's allowing Hanson and Dele um, to really, you know, make some of their plays. We're talking to Martin O'Donnell. If you'd like to join us, 356-9397 is the number. The win over Wisconsin certainly uh, one for the uh, memory bank and one that will hang with a lot of people. Then the what I call a, just a real basic business trip to West Lafayette last week to, uh, to take control of that ball game in uh, some not-so-good conditions. Now you've got a, a game in which you're about a three-touchdown favorite and uh, a chance to get within one win of bowl eligibility. It's, it's kind of fun uh, as a fan to uh, start talking the B word again, and you can't get too far ahead of yourself. You still got to – and you've already demonstrated you're a pretty good guy in that – coach speak there with that answer on the offensive line but, uh, you still got to play them one at a time right that's what I'm getting to yeah no they, they absolutely do and I mean we saw Illinois as a big favorite earlier this year against UConn and they came out flat and it took a really good second quarter and then they were scrapping you know all the way to the end of that game you know they played Eastern Michigan who they were a favorite over in Eastern Michigan came into Champaign and Memorial Stadium and left with a win and so I think there's enough um there's enough dry powder for Lovey Smith and his coaching staff to use against this team to, you know, if, if anybody's thinking about kind of, you know, getting a little lackadaisical with respect to, you know, preparation and the mental aspect, there's, there's stuff that just happened about a month ago um, that, is, that is fair enough warning. So I, I think it's a big game today, and I, I'd really love to see them uh, come out fast, you know, put a couple of touchdowns up on the board, defense get some stops, and I think, uh, you know, I think if that happens, uh, we could be in for a good day. But, I mean, it's, it's always the kind of situation, the more you let uh, a team that's struggling stick around, the more they believe they're going to win the game. Um, and you don't want to be playing dicey games in the fourth quarter. Martin, what's the difference for you as a player playing on a rainy late October or a snowy or cold November? How does the game change for you or, or you know, and, and the, pro, the approach you take offensively? You know, I think obviously, you know, the the weather and the temperature can affect, you know, I mean, it has an effect on the passing game. I mean, it makes things more difficult. I think, uh, you know, good offensive coordinators will scheme around that. I liked Rod Smith's plan uh, last week. I think we saw early they tried to throw the ball a little bit. There were a couple of drops. And, I mean, you can almost see Rod Smith just say, forget it. We're just going to run the dang ball. And I, I think that's what you have to do. And I think, you know, Illinois is a team um, that's more built to kind of play in those conditions. I mean, the running game really is a strength. You know, Brandon Peters has enough arm strength to deliver the ball, you know, on some quick slants and, and plays like that to keep the defense honest. But I think, you know, given given the strength of the offensive line, um, you know, that this team is really built for that. And as a player, it's more just – it doesn't have a huge impact. It's just the kind of thing where if things are going well, you don't really notice it. But, you know, if things start going poorly, you know, that cold feels a little bit colder and, you know, you get stiff on the sidelines and, and things like that. So it just becomes a little bit of a uh, – a different mental approach. Where do you think the Illini are from an injury standpoint, from a health standpoint, going into this game? 
I mean, I would expect Smalling to still be out. I, I, you know, they've got several that won't be back, but aren't they in pretty good shape at this point? You know, I mean, they, they're still. It's 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 hard to tell. I, I think obviously what the, the 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 impressive thing has been that you know Lovey Smith seems to have rotated fewer guys through. But uh, you know, when they're at full health, but the positive to that is that you know if somebody goes down, there's somebody else to kind of step up and, and make some plays. But you know, they still have some critical injuries. You're right. You know, we don't know what Ricky Smalling's status is. They lost Trayvon Sidney, so there's two of your top three receivers. Um, you know, obviously losing Mike Epstein was a big deal. And they're still pretty banged up along the defensive line. So I, I think I think they seem to be okay. I guess they're probably about where they were, you know, last week. I think Jamal Woods got hurt during the game, uh, so hopefully he's able to come back. But um, you know, I've just been impressed by the other guys that are that are stepping up and, and making plays there. I mean, Deion Pate's coming in and getting some valuable reps. You know, Owen Carney's there, Isaiah Gay at defensive end. So they've they've found guys to be able to step up. Donnie Navarro at receiver. So. Um, I think they're kind of banged up, but I don't think that's exceptional for you know a college football team in November. There's some good stories on this team of guys, and Lord and I talked about this earlier about uh, guys that have just hung around and you know just kind of put their heads down and stayed with it. And none better than, in my mind, that there's no better story than Dre Brown missing two seasons with major knee surgeries and a chance that he could, if he wants to come back for a sixth year, he could. Uh, don't know what he might be thinking there, but uh, certainly there's a story of perseverance there. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and, and it feels so good for him. I mean, you know, he was injured, you know, twice at about the same time that Mike Dudek was. And, yeah. you know, we saw the way that, that you know, that, that Mikey's career wound up ending. But, you know, to have Dre Brown have these moments and, you know, to see him out there, you know, really in those crucial those crucial possessions. And I think, you know, the coaching staff and Lovey and, and Rod Smith, you know, really – demonstrate the trust that they have in him because you can see when the offense is sputtering uh you know even though reggie's kind of your big play guy uh dre seems to be the guy out there getting the call and you know the ability to have him as your kind of number two back you know when you have the backfield set with him and reggie i mean that can be absolutely devastating against the defense so he's he's just been so good and just such a good uh just a fun story like you said just to root for and you always like to see the perseverance pay off you know, uh, seeing these guys sticking it out when the thing going was tough, I, I go back to Art Zitkowski and Raheem Blackshear, both of whom had decided this is a quarterback, starting quarterback, starting running back, decided to redshirt after the fourth game. That was, of course, when Ash got, was Ash, Chris Ash was fired. But what does it do to a team's morale to have their two of their key players, quarterback and running back, decide they're not going to play anymore right in the middle of the season? It's got to be. Yeah, it's got to be tough, and you know I'm I'm not familiar enough with those situations, but I think you know any time you have guys basically uh, say, yeah, I still want to be a member of this team, but I'm I'm just not going to go out there and play the last eight games with you guys. Uh, I I think it's tough, you know, and obviously you know the the whole you know guys redshirting themselves is one of those unintended consequences of the new redshirt rule, and and to be honest, I'm okay with it. I just, I would just think that if if that's your teammate, that that's uh, that would be kind of a tough blow. And, you know, I, I look at the other side of it and I say, you know what, those, all the rest of the guys on Rutgers that are still showing up every week uh, and playing, I mean, I, I give those guys credit because, you know, I was on teams like that where, you know, you've got five games left and you've only won you know, one or two games and, and it's going to be tough, but you just got to, you know, kind of keep going to work. Hey, Martin, appreciate your time this morning. We'll see you here shortly over at uh, Memorial Stadium. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You bet. Martin O'Donnell with us at 1045. We've got another segment left. If you'd like to join us to talk Illinois football or basketball, 356-9397 is the number. We're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk right after this. 
Join us on Tuesday for the start of the regular season. Fighting Illini men's basketball, they host Nichols State. 7 o'clock at State Farm Center, Illini game day at 5.30 Tuesday. That's the season opener for Illinois basketball, the official season opener. The exhibition game last night was won by the Illini over Lewis University, 83-50 to was the final there. We've talked some about that this morning. We've heard from Brad Underwood and Trent Frazier on uh, that. We talked a little bit about Kendrick Nunn and the start uh, the, to his NBA career. He played in the G League or whatever they call that last year. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that I saw this coming. But he's, no, but, he's you know, he, he's just become a very aggressive scorer yeah. when he was at Oakland, much more aggressive than he was at Illinois in terms of scoring and the points production, way over 20 points a game his senior year there. And now as a rookie, he's one of only six people who have scored 110 or more in their first five games and also shot made over half their field goals. Number one on that list, are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal, 129 points. Jerry Stackhouse at 124. Dominique Wilkins, he's in good company here, 124. Grant Hill, 119. Michael Brooks, 115. And Kendrick Nunn, 112 points, and he's shooting 51.8% from the field. All those guys, well, that's a good group to be with, starting with Shaq and and, uh, Stackhouse and Wilkins, huh? Yeah, averaging 22.4 points a game through his first five for the Miami Heat and uh, Miles Leonard on that team as well. Yeah, he's been starting. Yeah. That, uh, the nun's going to make some money. You know, this is a guy that it's a big difference between NBA pay and, and G League, okay? Although, I'm, as I recall, the G League is going to be paying uh, their players 125000 this year, which is darn good pay when can win. Just a few years ago, when my son Travis was uh, was working at Boise, they were only getting twenty five thousand players, twenty unless you had a unless you had an NBA contract and they sent you down. Right. But if you were just working, if you were just playing in that league, you your the maximum was twenty five. It's gone from twenty five, I think, to one hundred and twenty five. Maybe they're trying to keep uh, some of the players closer. Uh, maybe. Well, they're all con- they're all connected with the pro team now. I know. But so maybe they're, they're trying to keep some of the top-tier guys, they think, away from going to Europe. And, yeah. Yeah. If you, got a, if you draft a guy and he isn't quite good enough to make your team and you could play in the G League for a year, which is what none did. I was talking to uh, Trent Meacham last night. Trent did the ball game uh, on the radio, the exhibition game with uh, Brian Barnhart as a fill-in for uh, Deion Thomas and Doug Altenberger, who both had uh, conflicts. But uh, Trent did a good job, by the way, if you happen to listen to much of that uh, ball game. But Trent played several tours in Europe yeah, and and retired a couple of times yeah. and unretired and almost did it again. Did he almost he play it again he, this year? Yeah, he did. He didn't play last year. <coughs> uh, he's uh, back in town to start, you know, working in, in business. But uh, he said he was surprised that he had two or three really good offers and he thought about it. But he's got three young kids, he and his wife, Teresa. Yeah, and uh, That's tough on the family. That, that changes your mind. But he said, because uh, I was kidding him, I said, look like you could get out there and, and help these guys tonight if you want to. He said, well, you know what? Almost almost went back again. <laughs> and Because uh, I was talking to him at one point. The first time that he retired, I was talking to him about maybe doing some radio work with me mm-hmm. uh, back when I was full-time here. And, uh, and he was set to do that. And then he called me and said, you know what? I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back and play. Played in France for a while. Great experience, but uh, he had the opportunity. 
But his interpretation of the Illinois team is really good. Yeah. I mean, he's got a really good feel, and, he, of course, he's paying attention to it a lot more. And, and on top of it, and not something you can do when you're overseas. Right. Let's uh, hear a couple of more comments from uh, Brad Underwood about that, that game last night and the way he sees this lineup and, and the weapons he has at his disposal here during uh, the upcoming season. I said that, and where did it go? Hang on just a minute. Having a few little issues technically, so we'll uh, we'll try to get that on before we're done. Let me, let me just test something else here. This is live radio at its best, folks. <laughs> I love our versatility. I think we can play bigger. I think we can play smaller. I thought I've been really pleased with DeMonte. I've been really pleased with Kipper. Everybody talks about the other guys. Allen had a tough night tonight, but he, but Allen was been sensational. Um, was really really good at the um, at, 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 in South Carolina. He'll bounce back. Uh, so you know we're trying to we're still trying to figure all this out with with some of the new guys. And now you you get Benjamin uh, more comfortable and playing. And I thought Jermaine did some some great things defensively as well. So yeah, I mean we're just we're a team that was. Playing some young guys and they're and they're growing and we're getting better. Brad Underwood after the uh, game last night, a 33-point win over Lewis. It starts for real Tuesday night at uh, seven at the State Farm Center against Nichols State. It is 10:52. Make it 10:53 if you're keeping a precise time. By the way, don't forget to turn your clocks. I will. And by the way, anybody that knows how to get the Arizona game on TV on Sunday. Tell me, because I haven't figured it out yet. Be careful how you tell, Lauren, because <laughs> he said, hey, Steve, if you've got that, he said, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> so, so maybe you, you don't me. want to tell Lauren that. I, so I told him, I, there's no way I've got that. <laughs> although, although I did I'm look. I'm coming to your house, Steve. I, I would have had you. you you'd be more than welcome, as always, at my house. But uh, mm. um, I don't have the Pac-12 network, and I'm guessing most people around here don't. Yeah. But that it, is a Pac-12 network game. Yeah. Now, are there any establishments in town that might uh, well, have access to that, that might have it up? It isn't on Comcast and it isn't on Direct. I don't know about Dish, but I haven't checked it out fully yet. I'll get really busy on that over the weekend. Well, here. you just put the word out. Because we'll, we'll I want to see that game on TV. I'm not going to be there. Our research uh, team will get on that and see what we can find out. Hey, by the way, if you're um, thinking about windows and doors this time of year, not a bad time to think about it, but uh, think about the Pelo Window Showroom. They've got a relatively new product that you ought to check out. It's called Lifestyle. It's packed with innovation, including the option for their best between-the-glass blinds or shades. If you've ever had between-the-glass blinds or shades, it's pretty cool. They've got, got it with triple glazing as well. Pelo Lifestyle has style flexibility with a wide range of inside and outside colors. There's also performance options to improve uh, energy efficiency and reduce outside noises. You can see it, the uh, Lifestyle product, at the Pella Windows showroom located at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. Window and door specialist, we will help you uh, find the right Pella product for your home and budget. Stop by and see them next week at uh, the Pella Window showroom. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Or check them out online, PellaofChampagne.com. We'll take our final break and be back with some final words on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. 
Hi, this is Kylie Decker from Unity High School Cross Country. Read all about prep sports with Colin Likas in the News Gazette and thenewsgazette.com. High school football playoffs are underway. A whole bunch of games today. There were a couple of games last night. Oakwood beat Nokomis in 2A play, 20 to nothing. And Prairie Central went on the road down to Olney to beat uh, Richland County 35 to 14 in a first round of high school playoffs. Here's a list of some of the other games involving area teams real quick. Tri-County plays at Oakland, or rather uh, plays at Arcola today at 1 o'clock. Argena Oriana takes on White Heath North uh, Green. Fisher has a home game at 2 against Toledo Cumberland. Arthur Lovington at Wood Hammond is at uh, Carrollton. Salt Fork plays at Camp Point Central. That's on 1A. We mentioned uh, the Oakwood win last night. Also playing today, Watsika, Bismarck Henning, Rossville Alvin, Villa Grove Heritage, Gibson City, Melvin Sibley, and Tuscola all underway or will be underway today in 2A play. St. Joe Ogden, Monticello, and PBL will play in 3A competition. Clinton and Unity in 4A and Danville in 6A. All those games are played on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. This is set up by the high school operation organization. And these are the same people who complain bitterly when one Big Ten or two Big Ten or three Big Ten games are played on a Friday night during the regular season that they bring their game right into Saturday dead against all the Big Ten games in the Midwest. I mean, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on here? You're right. I don't have any objection with them playing on Saturday. What I object to them complaining about an occasional early Friday night game, which – you know, draws big crowds for, for college football. The Illini, when they play on a Friday, that's going to, you know, they've got a, a chance to draw. There's not as much competition for for the fan as uh, as there is right now, of course, in this cold weather. I don't know how many people are going to be out anyway, but, man, that uh, they, they're certainly bucking the Big Ten in this. All those games I mentioned, all but two, are Saturday afternoon games. That's going to take care of it, Mr. Tate. I'll see you uh, down the road over at the Memorial Stadium coming up. Our pregame coverage begins at 1 o'clock. The game is at uh, 2.30. And a lot going on. We'll have postgame coverage as well. Illinois and Rutgers, thanks to uh, Blake Landa, our producer, on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. For Lauren Tate, we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good weekend, everybody.